You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldinger. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle. Carl Dukes, put him up. Along with my man, Brian Baldinger, of course, Jason Lockdown for a part of this podcast as well, guys. We put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, and we hope you subscribe, like us, tell your friends, and check out all things NFL. Baldy, everybody's excited about what they saw yesterday with C.J. Stroud. All right, let's break this down because these pro days, they're scripted, right? I mean, you know, you're going to throw 15 right, 15 left. You go through the motions. But you do get a sense of what a guy has. I would prefer to watch the game tape, Baldy. I I know you do because you see what's happening on the fly and you see how a guy actually adjusts to a situation. But I thought C.J. Stroud looked good yesterday. I thought he looked good in his pro day uh, or his uh, combine day. How much did he help himself? I mean, it was just basically confirmation uh, Wednesday is what it was. And really – you can read into some of these pro days. I mean, the Carolina Panthers flew the entire organization there. Like, I don't know how big David Tepper's jet is, but it seemed like it must have been a jumbo 747. We saw them all there. And, you know, Josh McCown is new, and he's been around the block as a quarterback, backing up a bunch of great quarterbacks in this industry and starting. And so he knows a little bit. And when he, you hear him kind of off the side saying, hey, listen, CJ, when you're in Charlotte, let's hit the basketball court. I know that's your first love. Let's let's go play a few rounds. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you just kind of like that was a, a pretty big group watching C.J. Stroud. You know, they're sitting there with the first pick. You know, honestly, when you have the first pick the way they do and they gave up a bunch to get it, Carl, you don't need a lot of subterfuge. You don't need a lot of misdirection. Like if your intentions are C.J. Stroud, then then you know what? Don't. Don't let him think that Bryce Young is still – like, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm sure going to be – maybe they're just as big a group at Bryce Young's pro day today. Um, you know, he's throwing uh, in Tuscaloosa today, and so we're all going to be watching. But uh, I, I just think that what we saw yesterday just confirmed everything. And you know what he had said also? You know, he ran quite a bit and alluded to great rush at Georgia and that, that shootout game that was just a great, great playoff game with Georgia and Ohio State. And, you know, he said, oh, maybe I should have run more during my career. Well, that's what Georgia does to quarterbacks. Like, that defense two years in a row, 
I don't care if you're Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, you know, I mean, Bryant Young. I mean, nobody plays great against Georgia's defense the last two years. They're just so dominant. And so he was forced to run because the pocket was collapsing. It got dirty. The blitzes were coming from all directions. So, you know, he was really good. And those are the things I even posted something today, Carl, about Bryce Young. Like, Bryce Young's going to throw the ball great today. He's got a great yeah. release. Yeah. You know, people aren't, aren't going to be in love with his frame and his size, but it's not going to change. But I've always said in watching Bryce Young, it's an advantage being 5'10 in a quarter just because of his ability to maneuver the pocket, to move, to find the openings, to throw from every platform. Like, you won't see that today, and you didn't see that yesterday from CJ. So it really is these pro days. I mean, just go watch Bryce Young against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. And just Correct. watch Put these throws. Put watch these throws and yeah. one after another. And the ball handling and the fakes and the whole thing. It's all there. So I think it's just got a confirmation. But I will say this. Like yesterday I talked to a general manager, Carl, and I asked him, I said, are you in, are you in Columbus today? And he goes, no. I went, I went to two Ohio State games this year. I saw what I needed to see. <laughs> so you want to go watch C.J. Stroud play. Yeah. I mean, you're out there watching them warm up in a real thing. Michigan, you know, Penn State, whatever it was. And, you know, you, you get to watch them warm up, throw, interact, all the things you want to see in a pro day. They were all there. Now seven head coaches were there. General managers were all present yesterday. There is something I believe you can glean from just watching a guy throw, interact with his teammates, a lot of secret handshakes with – all of his receivers that he was throwing to yesterday. Yeah, it was. That was kind of fun. But I mean, you can see all that, you know, in Columbus during the season as well. You know what's interesting, Baldy, uh, as we talk about this, and, and this is kind of a conversation I had yesterday. So CJ didn't have a great game against Michigan, right? Yeah, right. And it went back and it made me think about this. Um, and how we as the, the public and football fans and people get crazy over one game. And then I remember the criticism he got after mi- losing to Michigan. You know, he didn't show up. He wasn't great. And I said, when Aiden Hutchinson and the Michigan Wolverines played Georgia the previous year and Aiden didn't do anything in that game yeah. and he was blocked and didn't get sacks yeah. and everybody said, this guy's a bust. There's no way he's going to make any impact in the NFL. And this guy goes in and has nine sacks his rookie year and a couple of picks and he picks Aaron Rodgers and you saw him pop. And the point is you cannot get caught up in one game. I'm not looking at CJ Stroud and going, well, he didn't necessarily play well against Ohio, uh, uh, Ohio or uh, Michigan. Nobody played well that day for, for Ohio state. So they lose the game. And then you look at his body of work and it's sort of like Aiden Hutchinson. And I look at his body of work and I go, wow. And I'm just making this comparison because I know there are people who say, well, I'm not completely sold because of this one game. It's just not right. It's not fair. And more importantly, the body of work, Baldy, is always more important, even in a big rivalry game, than one game. And I just want to point that out because I think CJ has shown he's going to go to the NFL. And I think if he goes to the right situation, he's going to have success. Yeah. I Look, um, for both these guys, I mean, you could point to a bad game or a game where they weren't elite. And, um, you know, you're looking over a two-year body of work, okay? Now, I think we talked about this earlier this week, Carl, but, you know, you watch Ohio State's receivers and mm. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Marvin Harrison and Jackson Smith and, and Jigba and same thing in Alabama, and you go, well, I mean, how good do you have to be when you've got literally, you know, elite of the elite that you're throwing to against guys that – 
won't even play, won't even sniff the NFL. And these guys are open. But you, you what you do is you you just comb, you know, the thousand of passes that they threw, and you're looking for those NFL plays where, you know, like I'm watching Bryce Young last night against Kansas State. He makes his throw-off play action, Carl. Like the Kansas State has this thing completely snuffed out. And there's only a few inches where you can put the ball in the back of the end zone and he puts it right there. And you just go, like, that's hard to do. You know, that's hard to duplicate. That's that not everybody can do that. And I think that's what these guys, you know, looking for. They're looking for traits, they're looking for attributes, they're looking for characteristics that carry over to Sunday. And let's face it, you got to get better from where you are today in their pro days and yesterday in their pro days to the start of the season, to the end of the season. Right. You got to grow and you've got to be able to see that. Does a guy have, I've watched Jalen Hurts. Go from a guy that said nobody, he, he's a running back, to a guy who's an elite player in this league. And I've watched the growth of Jalen. And it, it's just the work ethic. It's the belief. It's the mix of the coaching and the p- people around him. It's the leadership. Like, those things are going to decide whether he becomes a good pro or not. Brian Baldinger, Carl Ditz with you. It's in the huddle, guys. Talking about yesterday's pro day, C.J. Stroud, uh, Baldy mentioned today, Bryce Young will throw for Alabama, and and we'll see what the response is. Guys, the expectation is those two guys are one-two, however it's going to shake out in the NFL draft coming up in April. Let's talk about some of the news that happened yesterday, Baldy, and that, of course, is the Jets making news again. Yeah. They trade Elijah Moore, okay, to the Browns, uh, 42nd overall pick, which is a second-round pick, to the Jets for Elijah Moore. But they also signed Nicole Hardman, who was with the Kansas City Chiefs, has a Super Bowl ring. This guy has shown what he can do. Uh, I, I love what McCole does. I saw him at Georgia a couple of years. His cousins and whatnot were always telling me, he's going to make a big play. He's going to make a big play. So I love the kid's attitude. But going to the Jets now, what does this do for their wide receiving core? Even though we still don't know who the quarterback's going to be, we assume it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know, the Jets are um... – they want to sell a lot of tickets. You know, they want to sell out. I mean, number one, Woody Johnson wants to sell every game out. He wants a buzz about his team. They're creating that. Now, McCall Hardman, look, Elijah Moore might become what the Jets thought he was going to be. He is small, okay? A lot of small receivers, you know, short yeah. receivers in this league. McCall Hardman's 5'10 and change. But he's a, he's a buck 90. He's, you know, he, you know him. Like, he's he runs Solid. through tackles. Yeah. And I'm not saying Elijah Moore can. He's a little shorter, a little hard to find. Little whiny there in New York, you know. They had four quarterbacks playing last year. There's some days you you know they the line didn't never held up, never was healthy, and so pouting about your, you know, your role and all this on a team that's just struggling to put five offensive linemen up there and find a quarterback that can stay healthy and like that you have to know a little bit about your awareness about the team. It, what, nobody except Garrett Wilson was really going to get a chance last year to show what they could do. Brees Hall got hurt. and All these things happened. So I think they upgraded because I, I love McCole Hardman. I do too. Like he got hurt last year for the first time. He had like this, this quad injury that just wouldn't heal. It happens to elite athletes from time to time. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, coming out of Ohio State, he had a hamstring thing that bothered him for three months. He couldn't get on the field. It, it does happen. But, I, you know, when I went back and watched some of the things, I did something for the Jets yesterday, Carl, on McCall Hardman. A, he can run right by you. B, the quick game, the perimeter game, all those things, the hitches, the fly sweeps. Like, he's really good at that stuff. San Francisco 
had no the number one defense in football. He scored three touchdowns with the same play. Like, they, they had no way to stop him. So I just think that if you go Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Nicole Hardman, I hear buzz about Odell Beckham Jr. is real, Carl. Like real. Now I don't know. Odell wants a pretty big, you know, price tag. I don't yeah. know that Joe Douglas and Woody Johnson can afford him, but there's interest. And there's like, look, whatever we can do to get Aaron Rodgers in the building, we're going to do. And we, we can only benefit if we just keep surrounding him with the elite of the elite. So I, I think that was a good move yesterday. In fact, you know, Elijah Moore was a second-round pick from Cleveland. They got a second-round pick back, and I think they got a fourth-round pick in addition. They did. So they actually benefited, even though Elijah Moore's done very little in the league so far. Yeah, a third. It's, it's pick 74. So you get 42 and 74. So a second and third, that's a that's a great deal, I think, for the Jets. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're right about Aaron Rodgers, by the way, guys, we're still waiting to see. But the Jets either way are saying with or without you, we're setting ourselves up yeah. to, to have some success. And, and, and we're going to offensively be a lot better than we were last year. Remember, new offensive coordinator there, Nathaniel Hackett, who was the coach in, in, with, with the Broncos. He's with Robert Sala again. And, Baldy, I think they go back to their Jacksonville days, they if do. I remember correctly. Yeah. So, you know, again, I didn't think that that Nathaniel Hackett did anything impressive in Denver. It doesn't mean that he won't have success as an OC. No, but he was, he, was, he, he was with Matt LaFleur in Green Bay for three years. And, uh, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, one of the reasons why he got the job in Denver was Aaron Rodgers' endorsement of him as a play call, you know, as a, as a guy that was in his ear, yep. a guy that worked with him every day, um, you know, really, really. And so I almost feel like, you go, going back when they made the switch from Mike LaFleur to Nathaniel Hackett, that one of the reasons why they, they did it was if Aaron Rodgers came available, they were going to chase him, and they were going to dangle you know Nathaniel Hackett in front of him. And that's what they're doing right now. They've already met, by the way, guys. Woody and company have already flown to the West Coast. They met with them. Everybody believes, we can't confirm it yet, that that's a done deal. It just hasn't been officially you know, uh, uh, done yet. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, let's talk about Russell Wilson since we're talking about Broncos and quarterbacks. It comes out, Baldy, that Russell underwent knee surgery before the season. I don't know, you know, if this played a role last year. I don't want to make excuses, uh, but we know he wasn't any good, and we know that that offense wasn't any good. But do you give him a pass now because the expectations for Russell with his new coaching and Sean, you know, um, is 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 going to be off the charts, right? Everybody expects that he's going to get better coaching, the offense will be better, and he's going to be a better player this year in his second year in Denver. 
What do you make of the surgery news? And then more importantly, where are you at on Russell Wilson and, and the Broncos right now? Well, look, there's a lot of NFL players like Russell that, you know, I mean, Tom Brady played with a bad MCL, you know, that needed surgery um, for an entire year and never said a word. Like these guys don't want any excuses, Carl. Like even if they're in treatment every day, just trying to get through the week, sure. to play the game. You know, Tom Brady did it for a year in, in Tampa. Nobody knew. Nobody knew this about Russell. I was there at training camp twice last year. I never saw any signs that he was coming back from a knee surgery or, or needed a knee surgery. He was out there in practice. He looked like the same Russell Wilson. This was in July and August now. So, you know, before we, we saw what was a disaster of a season. I'll give him a little bit of a pass just because of, for the first time in 10 years, he had to make all the adjustments. He had yeah. to adjust to teammates. Right. He lost, you know, a, a Tim Patrick early in training camp. You know, Judy was out of the lineup. I mean, you know, he loses star running back. The offense line fell apart. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett was over his head. New ownership. I'll give him a pass with all the changes that took place. But not for very long because <laughs> I, I know this about Sean Payton. Like, he is – he, he is the ultimate demanding coach mm. of his coaches, of his staff, of his players. Like he's going to put it on them and he doesn't care how many Pro Bowls are next to your name or if you've won a Super Bowl or been to another one. He doesn't care. Like it's about really performing and getting the most out. And he had that with Drew and Drew was great throughout um, and even when he was starting to slip and the arm strength wasn't quite the same, the, the offense was adjusted. Uh, Sean Payton, look, he was on Fox every Sunday last year. But that was like he was moonlighting at Fox. <laughs> he was moonlighting. He was studying the league. He was. he was. studying all these teams. He was. That guy was in the lab, combing the league, like trends, players. Yep. Like he was building his new team in his own brain. So for me, with Sean Payton, here's the deal. And, and, and Baldy, you couldn't be more right about that. Like, everybody's like, he's great. And I'm like, you guys have no idea. This is all about scouting. Um, Sean Payton is an a-hole, but in a good way. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, and this is my I've experience. I've been brunt of that before. Uh, you, you get it. You know what I'm yeah. talking about. Well, but I'm, what I've I mean. It, like, up front. So he's the guy that you despise that he's coaching the other team, but you knew if he was coaching your team, you'd love him. And that is because of what Baldy's talking about with dude hates to lose. Like he has this passion. Like I remember when everybody was saying he's not going to go to Denver because, well, you've got Kansas city and you've got the chargers. Yeah. And look at that division. Sean Payton doesn't give a damn about that. Like his whole thing is like, that's even more challenging. Let me go and dethrone What's going on in this division? And I just think that competitiveness that you're talking about to put it on the coaches and the, and the way that he goes about it. And when I say that, it's not, again, it's not a negative thing. It is one of those things where he's he's very intelligent, very smart, knows what he's doing. That's a given. And Sean Payton doesn't have to coach anymore, guys. He He's going to Hall of Fame. I mean, hell, you, you win a Super Bowl in New Orleans, yeah. you know, and have all the success and all the wins. You, you, he's going to Hall of Fame. But the, the point is, his competitiveness, and you said it, would not allow him to basically just say, oh, I'm done. He picked the team in which he wanted to go back to. And you got to believe that all these – remember, he took every interview. And he could have taken any of these jobs, and he took the Denver job. And it just makes me think that he knows 
whatever he's looking for from a player personnel standpoint, you know, from the quarterback to everything else, that he's got what he needs to win. And, and I just – I admire the dude. I really do. I, I admire the – the because I've seen it Sunday after Sunday, how he manipulates teams and then just – you go, well, damn, how did he do that? They, nobody was able to run the ball last week against this team or the next week, you know? Yeah, well, a couple things there, Carl. So, um, the Denver Broncos have never beaten Patrick Mahomes. Okay, never. Right. Sean Payton knows that. All right. So he know, and he was in love with Patrick Mahomes. He was going to draft him in 2016. Um, what 2017. He was going to draft him. Kansas City jumped right in front. They were picking 11, mm-hmm. and he was taking Mahomes. And Kansas City knew it, and they jumped right in front of him at number 10, from 24 to 10, and take Mahomes. So the reason why I bring that story up is this is a little bit like Belichick and Brady, okay? He was a great, great coach with Drew Brees. Now, he's got Russell Wilson. You say, okay, well, we we saw a a Russell Wilson that wasn't very good last year, and I'm being kind. Um, Is Sean Payton still that guy if it's with Russell Wilson or Jarrett Stidham or next year if they have to go to the draft? Like, is he still Sean Payton? So, I'm, you know, I, there's a part of us that all want to kind of see this from that standpoint. Yeah, you got a Hall of Fame quarterback. You win a lot of games. This guy's a magician at the line of scrimmage. He's His brain is your brain. You share the same brain. Um, you know, okay, let's uh, let's let's see now if Sean can make a, a charge to the Kansas City Chiefs who have owned the AFC West. It's a great point. It's going to be fun. We're only talking about it, guys, because Russell Wilson, it comes out he had knee surgery before the season, arthroscopic surgery, and now there's this thought maybe that affected him. Either way, Baldy's right. We'll give him a pass, but not a big one because the talent and, and the team, the defense was great, you know, but they didn't score any points. They were averaging 16 a game, and that's just not enough to win in the NFL. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes with you. It's in the huddle. Subscribe. Like us. We put new episodes out every Tuesday and Thursday as we talk about all things NFL. Earlier, we were talking about C.J. Stroud. We're going to be talking about Bryce Young. We may come back and do a quick hit tomorrow, um, just depending on what's going on with Young and, and the pro day that's going to happen today. Baldy, the, the mock drafts, and a lot of folks have Will Levis going to the Raiders do you like the idea of Anthony Richardson going there and sitting behind Garoppolo or Will Levis? Do you think the Raiders go quarterback right now? You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. They have so many holes that... I mean, literally, you know, close your eyes and just throw the dart, you know, and at any position. They need help. They need help on the defensive line. There's great edge rushers. 
They need help at defensive tackle. They need the Denzel Perriman out the door. He's been their best linebacker. I know they just keep signing different guys. Um, they need corners. Um, so they need help. But, you know, I think Josh McDaniels, you know, he was there in New England when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. And he sat. In fact, I remember the year that Tom Brady was suspended, what, 2015? Like he was suspended. Deflate game. Deflate and game, I was right? there. I was there day one when Brady charged onto the field. And the place at Gillette Stadium was packed. We were there, NFL Network, you know, Brady's return. And it was what, what kind of caught my eye that day was they only had two quarterbacks on the roster. They only had Brady and Grappo. And this is the first day of training camp. They didn't have a third arm or fourth arm. They, those guys took every rep. So I say, Sean, you know, it was and it was prudent of – because they never dra literally drafted a quarterback that high. They had drafted quarterbacks before, but never in the second round like Garoppolo was. Like, I can see them taking a quarterback, especially knowing Garoppolo's injury history yeah, and the history that Josh McDaniels has in New England when they drafted Garoppolo. And there was Brady right in his prime, coming off the Super Bowl win, all that stuff. So, like, I believe it's certainly in play. Now, to your question, is it Will Levis? Is it Anthony Richardson? If those two are available. Um because I think everybody feels like, boy, if you could really take Anthony Richardson and really Ooh. coach him up, and he really took to it, what do you have with Anthony Richardson? I, I don't think anybody doesn't believe that the ceiling is much higher with his, with all of his attributes. I agree. So I, I believe that even at seven, they could very much be in play and really set themselves up for the future going forward. The Garoppolo thing in New England, just going back, they didn't tell Brady they were drafting him, right? That's That was the whole fuss back then, right? It was sort of like Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers, right? They, they just kind of said, you know, we're going to we, – they, they drafted a quarterback and Brady's on his phone or whatever, and he's going, what the hell, right? Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is if you look at the great quarterbacks, Brady, Rodgers, uh, you know, you, you go um, – you know, down to down to New Orleans, and you look at you know, these teams never really challenge these guys, especially if they've proven that they're you know that they're healthy, you know. And so, um, you mean bringing in competition? Yes. Okay. Like they, they never they never challenge. Like you you can't really name. I mean, you can you know name Jimmy uh, you know Tom Brady's backups, but you know where they come from, who are they? You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers was he ever really challenged? No except when they drafted Jordan Love, and that just ticked them off. And so they just take that personally. Um, you know, so some of the great ones, Dan Marino, look at all the backup quarterbacks Dan Marino had going back. I mean, Doug Peterson was a backup quarterback there. You know, Ron Jaworski was a backup quarterback. Like, you know, at the end of his career, he was a back. Like, these guys are rarely challenged with high draft picks. Uh, rarely. And so um, and when it happens, and when they do draft it, it just – it, it, the reaction is always the same. It pisses them off. Yeah, and, and they usually play better. Yeah. Um, and, and a non-established quarterback, you know, and it's sort of like what's going on in Atlanta with Desmond Ritter. He's not established, which has a lot of people thinking maybe they should be thinking quarterback. I don't think they're thinking quarterback. I think they're going to ride with Ritter, see where it goes. They signed Heineke, right? And I like Heineke, by the way. Mm -hmm. I think Heineke got a raw deal in, with the commanders. I thought yeah. he was better than Carson Wentz, you know? Way better. Um, well, first of all, the thing about Taylor Heineke is he's just like I I remember 
doing his games at Old Dominion. I did a Old Dominion game when he was there. Like, I mean, he he was really good in the game I did. But like, he's like he knows how to interact with his teammates. He knows how to build camaraderie. Yep. The players love him. They love his fight, his fire, his preparation, and he was productive. I mean, uh, Terry McCall, you know, Terry, like the, the Terry doesn't. He didn't get a new contract without Taylor Heineke. Like he really fed him. He got him the ball. Um, it, I believe when they signed Heineke, like, okay, we're ready to go. And if if Des needs more time to sit and watch, we'll go with Heineke. You yeah. know, we're just gonna we're not gonna get sunk by a, a big fat contract. And uh they were in salary cap hell with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and it took them two or three years to get out of there. I just think they want to build the team up around the quarterback, and there's the other philosophy. You know, some is you know, go get Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, build the team around him. And then some is let's build the team up. And if the guy's the guy, fine. But if he isn't, whoever we bring in, we're gonna have a really good team around that position. Yeah, and, and you're right. I think that's their philosophy heading into this draft. Baldy, I want to talk about some of the O-linemen. I know you've been doing your work. Before we get out of here, just to mention a couple of guys that have either popped or you're like, wow, or you just know they've got it, and these guys will be, you know, day one guys potentially um, as we look at the first round of the draft. Well, it's hard not to look at Tennessee's Darnell Wright um, who's been a three-year starter there, and watch him this year against Will Anderson, the, the number one edge rusher in this draft, and just pitch a shutout. It's hard not to watch him the year before at left tackle and go up against you know Trayvon Walker, who was the number one pick in the draft, and shut him out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard not to watch him against – now, the knock that I hear is, yes, when he gets Will Anderson or Trayvon Walker, you're getting the very best at Darnell, right? But if he gets a, you know, a second-class citizen, a slouch, like he sort of kind of – plays down to the competition, which which might be a little bit true. I, I mean, it's hard for me to gauge that. But he's really six. You know, he's six six. He's three hundred thirty pounds. He moves really well. Nobody thought he was going to run a five flat forty. He does. Like he's just big, powerful. Like he's my number one guy. But you know, Broderick Jones at Georgia. You know, like these last two years, Monsters. he reminds me of Andrew Thomas, but more polished already. Yeah. Andrew Thomas. It took him a year, but he's a he's an elite player now with the Giants. But his set, his movement, like it's it's really really good, and you know he's he's just growing into his body. He's six six. He's not three thirty, but he's three oh five. He's really a dancing bear. Like those two guys. And then if you just want, just you know a a big old Pacific flying manta that just blocks everything out. You know, go get Dewan Jones at Ohio State to play right tackle. He's six eight and change. He's three hundred seventy five pounds. And he's nasty with the longest arms that we've ever seen at the combine. And it's just hard. You talk to guys that go up against him. And Paris Johnson is there on the other side. He's a good player, good athlete. But they'll tell you that Dewan Jones was almost unbeatable. If you want a right tackle, you know, the Falcons just re-signed Caleb McGarry and whatnot. But, like, somebody's going to fall in love with Dewan Jones. Go put him at right tackle. Just let him there for 10 years. Don't move him. Just let him stay there. Like, he'll, he'll anchor that right side for you for a long time. Do you the arm length thing being an offensive lineman and you know all that's changed, right, Baldy? I mean, from from when you were in the league and even 10 or 15 years ago, how much emphasis and you see my arms are is being put on, I can I can just do this and I've got a guy three feet away from me, right? I mean, everybody talks about this, like Skoransky, right? The kid out of out of Northwestern. And I keep hearing, well, he's got short arms. I'm like, I don't give a damn. This kid can block. He yeah. he makes plays. Does that really matter? 
It does. It does matter. It, it does. Um, but, you know, Rashawn Slater didn't have the longest arms. He went from Northwestern to the Chargers. First pick, first offense lineman off the board that year. I think he was number seven. Like, now he got hurt last year, but his rookie year, he was just elite. Like, nobody beat him. Um, he, he came in, his strength, his power, his movement. Um, now, he moves better than Skaronsky, and he's, his arms are a little bit longer. But at the same time, Quentin Nelson was the left tackle, and Zach Martin was the left tackle, and Brandon Sheriff was the left tackle. And all those guys moved to guard, and they're all, all pro guards. So I think if you – like, if say it's the Bears, you know, sitting there at number nine, and Skaronsky's on the board, like Skaronsky in Chicago just sounds right. It just sounds Chicago, <laughs> yeah, you know. Now, do you play him at left tackle? Like, because I, I, I think he can start, period. But I might be a little bit more in love with another guy like Brandon Jones or, you know, Darnell Wright. If I'm if I'm really looking for a tackle, I might go with the bigger, longer guy, um, you know, because of the measurables at that position. It's going to be interesting, man. It really is uh, with these these offensive linemen. And this is a good draft, by the way. Baldy keeps saying this. O-lineman, right? It's a good draft for o Well, I just talked about tackles. But, I mean, you know, you could look at, uh, you know, Joe Lippman, uh, center from Wisconsin, or Ricky Stromberg, a center out of Arkansas, or Steve Avila, you know, at, at TCU, who's played guard. He's played center. He played tackle last year. Like, this guy is probably can be an elite interior guy. If you want a center in this draft, like, there's a lot of good centers in this draft. Um, like, like the Giants just lost John Feliciano to the 49ers. He was yeah. a center last year. Um, you know, they lost Nick Gates, who played center for the Giants. I mean, the Giants are probably going to go draft a center, and they're going to ask him to come in and start and, and you know, snap to Danny Dollars and block for, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley day yeah. one. And I think there's a number of guys that can step in and play right now. Baldy, before we leave, we got to mention this free agent tight end, Foster Mon uh, Monroe, yeah. announced Wednesday, guys, that he has Hodgkins and lymphoma. Um, he's going to be stepping away from football. I think he signed with the Saints. Saints medical staff found this out in yeah. the medical, um, you know, um, as they were doing the medicals on him. Routine, routine physical, Carl. And, and I guess the message here is this is why they do these things, right? First and foremost, just to make sure everybody is healthy. But when you're not, you immediately find out, and, and now you can go get the help, hopefully, that he is going to get. And, 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 and we wish him nothing but the best, Foster, to, to recover and, and get back to hopefully playing football. But yeah, it's, well, a bless, it's a blessing, man, to know that, you know what, you go in, right, and they're just going to do a fit, and, and this happens. It's bad news, but it's good that, that it was found. You know what I mean? No, and, and it's really a, a, the bigger message is for all of us to get physical. I remember when Jim, Jimmy Johnson, the coach, um, he was going, he was, he was trying out for survivor. Like he lost all this weight going in, you know, he had to get physical, uh, to qualify for survivor. And in the physical, he found that eight, he had 80% blockage in his arteries. And he probably wasn't going to, wouldn't be with us today. If he didn't get that physical, find that out, get the necessary help. But I was just, I just looked up. There's been a number of guys in the NFL that have come down with this. Like, you know, James Conner had this when he was at University of Pittsburgh. Um, uh, David Quisenberry, the offensive tackle, is up in Buffalo now. He had it. He overcame and came back. Eric Berry, um, you know, right. with the Kansas City Chiefs, came out of Tennessee, right. a safety. Right. Andre Howell. There, there's been a number of guys that have come down with this, had this diagnosis, and come back, conquered it, 
just the way Fosterbro said, I'm going to beat its ass and come back and play. So that's that's the hope right now for Foster because he's a, he's a really good player and he's a young he's guy. A, and I just think for everybody out there, I mean, young, healthy guys, uh, it looks promising that you can overcome this. Great stuff, Baldy. As always, guys, subscribe. New episodes again. We'll be dropping episodes, so you got to subscribe to know you might miss something that we're on or that we're talking about, and you never know who's going to stop by the podcast. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, but subscribe, like us, make sure that you're checking us out. Wherever you get your podcast, guys, it doesn't matter what platform, we are going to be there. Baldy, um, we'll see what Bryce Young does today. We'll be talking about it as we move forward. And, you know, again, the big thing with him, guys, is the frame. Right. Yep. He's 5'10. Everybody's talking about this. Baldy said it. He can make all the throws. And I don't think that's going to be something that keeps him from being the first or second overall pick in this draft. I just don't. I don't Baldy, either. great stuff, man. We'll yep. talk soon. All I right. Call. Yep. Thanks. Everybody else, take care. Have a great day.